Hi there. Thanks for joining me here on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga. I'm an experienced registered yoga teacher, a certified personal trainer, and an entrepreneur at heart, running my own yoga business and building my personal brand. My goal here is to provide you, the yoga teacher or fitness professional, with interesting, compelling content designed to pique your interest in teaching, help you grow as a teacher, and support you on your path to sharing this wonderful practice with your students and growing your business along the way. I've been teaching for over 16 years and through my classes, workshops, online courses, books, and other content, I focus on the anatomy of yoga and how teachers can learn this complex subject and present it to their students in an understandable way, all designed to help them bring more impact to their teaching. Even though we're not in the same room, I want you to envision for each episode that we've sat down for tea in a cozy coffee shop. Some days we'll talk about technical teaching topics. Some days we might have a teacher friend join in on the conversation. And other days we'll face some of the personal challenges that definitely come up when we take on the journey of a yoga teacher, knowing that the more authentic we can be, the more we can impact others. For more information about my products and programs and to contact me at any time, please visit my website at barebonesyoga.com. Let's get into today's episode. Hi, everybody. Karen Fabian here, founder of Bare Bones Yoga, and welcome to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. So here we are on episode 59, and I wasn't quite sure what to call this one because I I really didn't want it to be, you know, so super focused on me. But I did want to spend um, a little time on the podcast here just sharing a little bit about my background because many of you uh, have not met me in person, don't live here in the Boston area, or maybe just kind of dropped into being a connection of mine via my YouTube channel or my Facebook group or some other way or the podcast here. And you don't have any, you know, real backstory for, you know, kind of my path to becoming a yoga teacher and teacher trainer on anatomy. So I wanted to share some of that to really, I think it's important sometimes when we do have a relationship with another person, you know, I'm not talking about a family member or a loved one, um, but more someone that, you know, maybe we're connecting with online or someone we're learning from. And sometimes we might think that we're really different from that person. And I think sometimes it can be helpful to learn a little bit more about that person to try to uncover some commonalities that we have. And that can almost, you know, make uh, the enjoyment even more when you listen to that person's podcast or, you know, get emails from them. You can feel a little bit more like you have the full story and, and maybe the connection can feel a little bit more realistic and real. So that was part of it. And the other thing that I found when I started to, to map out what I wanted to share was that there were some themes that kept coming up. And I think this can be a really valuable theme for teachers to consider because 
when you've been teaching, whether it's for a short period of time or a long period of time, you're going to inevitably come to these, what I call crossroads in your teaching. And these are gonna be times when, you know, you can kind of go left or kind of go right. And sometimes when you come up on those proverbial forks in the road, you know, at the time you think you're doing the right thing and you're not really sure how it's gonna turn out. And along with that, there's kind of a related concept of hindsight, you know, in that you can look back on your teaching path today. And if you've been teaching for a while, maybe look back six months or a year or longer than that. And you have the benefit of time to kind of set things into perspective, which can be really difficult if you don't have that benefit of time. Things can seem so real and so overwhelming in this moment. And so that's one of the nice things, of course, about spending time and dedicating yourself to doing something for a period of time, because then you do have the benefit of hindsight. So I want you to start out by just thinking about if you've ever come to a crossroad in your life and, you know, kind of where has that come up for you? And at the same time, what have you looked back on in your life recently, maybe be especially because we're still in the new part of the year, the new year. Maybe you've already taken some time to look back at last year and you already are, you know, kind of heading into this year with some different action plans uh, because you don't want a repeat of some of the things that you experienced last year. And then, you know, kind of in line with that, if we, you know, kind of leverage those two ideas, well, then I would like to say, what if you were to look out five years from now, what kind of teacher do you want to be in five years? What do you see for yourself in your yoga teaching in five years? What do you want to be doing? Where do you want to be teaching? How do you want to be sharing your love of yoga? So if you're this five years from now person looking back on your path as a teacher, what would you want to have learned? And this can be really important to think about because a lot of times, you know, we're the ones that are getting in our way the most. And I know for me, over the past three years, on a personal growth level, I have tackled some really big inner challenges. And they are things that I was facing for a long time. And until I was really ready to face them and conquer them, I was stuck. And so I really want, you know, even small things, I mean, they're not really small, but even things like I don't have the money to spend on this, or I'm afraid to do this, or I don't have the time to invest in that. All those things are beliefs that absolutely will get in the way of your growth as a teacher. And I hear all of them because when I put offers out there, I hear all, all of the feedback as to the why nots. And underneath all of those things are beliefs that people really, really believe strongly. And oftentimes those beliefs are what exactly are holding them back. So with that in mind, before I get into uh, these five themes, I wanna remind you that March 20th is the last day to sign up for my Costa Rica uh, retreat. And this is a retreat and training. So you're not going to get all training and you're not 
going to get all retreat, but you're going to get both. And this makes it unique. You're going to have plenty of time to quote unquote retreat, meaning rest, have fun, go to the beach, learn how to surf, eat healthy food, sleep until noon if you want, right? You're going to have plenty of time for that. And then you're also going to have time for, um, for learning. So I'm gonna do optional workshops every day in the afternoon. So you'll have time to, uh, to learn about anatomy and putting it into teaching. So this is really meant to be, you know, something where you could even come with your significant other. And while you're in the optional afternoon workshop, that person could be doing some relaxing. So this is not just for teachers. I wanted it to be something where you could say, hey, this is going to be our relaxing trip, our travel trip. And I'm also going to get some training along the way. I'll be teaching yoga every morning with meditation and then the optional workshops in the afternoon. So this is a really, really, and it's at a beautiful five-star resort. So it's not super, super rustic. It's really nice. The accommodations are beautiful. You can read the five-star reviews online. You can check out the amazing pictures on the Bodhi Tree Resort website. So don't forget, um, you know, this is a once in a lifetime experience. And again, if you're having some of those self-limiting thoughts come up, I want you to really think about what are the beliefs behind them and how, you know, do I really want those beliefs to get in the way of me having and experiencing an amazing time. So to sign up for it, or at least to investigate it further, just go to my website, barebonesyoga.com, and right on the homepage, you'll see the link for the Costa Rica retreat and training. So I wanted to um, talk about, as I said, these kind of crossroads, and I bunched them out, categorized them into themes. And the first theme is this idea of what is your origin story for your love of yoga. So if you think for yourself, like what is, what is the reason that I love yoga? What is the reason that I'm a teacher? What even got me here? And I can share that for me, I started out when I graduated from high school. Um, I, at that point, I thought I wanted to be a physical therapist. So I had applied to a bunch of schools and I got into Boston University and I had never even been to Boston. And um, so I was super excited to come to BU and to enroll in and be part of their physical therapy program, which was at the time, it may still be one of the best in the country. And I remember about two weeks before, maybe a little bit longer, maybe about a month before I was coming to school as a freshman, I was water, water skiing and I blew out my knee. So I came to school in a full cast and crutches, which was insane because getting around Boston on crutches with a cast is probably the hardest thing ever. And that was back in the day when, from a rehab perspective, they actually gave you a full cast when they did ligament surgery, which they would never do now. They would never cast you now because they want you to have mobility right literally from surgery. So they get you up and walking right away. But back then, <laughs> uh, that's what they did. So anyway, I did eventually obviously get the cast off and participated in rehab while starting out my PT program. So that was kind of 
you know, kind of a paired, pairing up thing there because I was a rehab patient and studying rehab as well. And about two and a half years into the program, and I will tell you, it was really, really hard. And I was really struggling with my coursework and I was getting like a couple of C's in some of the classes and we were in pre, the pre-med curriculum. So our uh, first two years of the program, we were with the pre-med students for things like anatomy and physiology and biochemistry and physics and all that. It was really, really hard. And about two and a half years in, I went home and I said to my parents, you know, I really don't think this is for me. Um, I feel like I don't really want to just work with people's limbs. I want to work with the whole person. So we went to meet with the Dean of the physical therapy program. And I talked a little bit about how I was feeling. And she said, you know what? I think you should go meet with the Dean of the rehab counseling program. I think that program might be a good fit. So as it turned out, rehab counseling within the allied health schools of BU was really the curriculum for people who wanted to work as clinical social workers or rehab counselors, where um, they were working with the whole person. And while there might be some functional problems in uh, the clients that they were working with, they weren't acute injuries. And so this sounded great to me. And I ended up graduating from BU with my undergrad in rehab counseling. And because I really did have an interest in the functional movement of, of patients, I went to work for a rehab center. And so I was part of an interdisciplinary team and I worked with a physiatrist and a physical therapist, an occupational therapist and myself. And we worked together on different cases. And I did that for a number of years. And my responsibility was to meet with the patient weekly, if not more regularly, and to develop a transition plan for them so that they could be discharged from the hospital to their home and they would have the right services that they needed for both their short and long-term care. And so that, you know, that initial education and work and clinical settings, by the time I went and took my first yoga class in Boston, which was in 1999, at the original studio of Baron Baptiste in Cambridge, which is still there, but is now a down under studio. Um, I knew in my first class, um, and my first class was taught by my friend Quayley, who those of you that live in Boston, you will know her. Um, I knew that this was the perfect culmination for me of everything that I loved about the human body from a mechanical perspective. It had the inner workings as well from the meditation perspective and the spiritual perspective. So my origin story really is one of an academic love of the body um, and then also just appreciating the holistic approach to working with people. And when I took that first yoga class, I knew this is this is absolutely the expression of what I love, all the things I love. So just think about your origin story. If you were to describe that to somebody, whatever it is, um, how would you do it? And how are you living from, how is your teaching a reflection of your origin story and the things that drove you to teaching and your love of yoga in the first place? So the second theme for me is kind of related. It's, it's literally how I found the practice. And so I think a lot of people, like when you read teacher bios on, on studio websites, you'll read lots of like, I found yoga because I had a back injury or I had 
found yoga because I had a running injury or I found yoga because I was, you know, leave, living with um, an eating disorder or whatever, you know, I mean, whatever the origin, you know, the catalyst was, people can usually, teachers can usually describe that. For me, it was um, at a time in my life in 1998, 1999, when I was actually going through a divorce and I was really, really um, obviously stressed and upset and, you know, just dealing with a lot. And uh, we didn't have any kids, we had two dogs and we were living in Atlanta at the time. And when uh, we decided to separate and we got divorced, I moved back up to Boston from uh, Atlanta. And when I moved back up to Boston, after I was here for some period of time, I took myself on a solo fitness vacation and I went to a health spa in St. Lucia. And I will never, ever, ever forget for some reason, when I looked at a particular day's schedule, there was a yoga class and I was thinking I'd never taken a yoga class. So I was curious and I went and took this yoga class, which was in this room that overlooked the ocean. And it was surrounded by all these lush, you know, all this lush vegetation, which is a lot of how St. Lucia uh, is. And I remember I just cried the whole time. I mean, I was going through such difficult time and you know, all the obvious things you can imagine uh, going through a divorce. And that was my first experience with taking yoga. And when I look back on that, it's 1999, right? It is just amazing to me, just all that has happened. Um, but that's my, that's my origin story for when I first found yoga. So think about for you, that first yoga class you took, why were you there? Why did you go? What did you feel? What was your experience like? Um, that, that can be something, you know, interesting to connect to. Um, so the third one is this theme of sometimes the path you take is not leading you in a straight line to where you want to go. <laughs> so, you know, another way to think about this is, you know, you can think of a path being like taking yourself from point A to point Z. Um, although if your life is anything like mine, and I'm sure there are a lot of parallels just from a high level, you know that things never go logically, sequentially like A to Z. There are always, like we're saying, crossroads and little offshoots and little detours. And you don't really realize how many until you look back. And so for me, a big one in this category comes up when I, in terms of my teaching, when I think about um, when I'd been working uh, for a while in the corporate side of healthcare, which I had eventually transitioned to from working in a rehab setting. And I started to practice more regularly. I took my first teacher training in 2002 with Baron Baptiste, and I knew I wanted to teach full time. And so I created this whole plan to extricate myself from my corporate job, which was paying really good money at the time. I was making over six figures. And yet I knew I was compelled to teach full time. 
And so I came up with a plan and downsized my life and did a whole bunch of things and quit my corporate career and started teaching. And I taught for Bear Baptiste for a number of years. And I really tried to figure out how to make it work so I could make enough money to support myself. And I just couldn't figure it out. And so every month I was short and this went on for a while and I had savings and eventually it just got to the point where my savings turned into taking out a loan and then my, depending on the loan, turned into $30,000 in debt. And at that point, I talked to my parents and they said, you know what? I think we're at the end game here. I think you have to go back to work. And I remember standing in my apartment and I was so upset. Uh, I just, I just did not want to do it. But I knew at that point, I really had no choice. And so I did. I went back to a corporate job I had held before, a little different job, but the same boss. And I took three years while I taught part-time to dig myself out of that debt. And looking back on it, it had to happen, right? There was you know, no way. But the cool thing about it is at the end of that experience, um, I was able to go back to working as a full-time yoga teacher, but I did it in a different way. And that was really when I started my brand, Bare Bones Yoga. So rather than working 100% for someone else as part of their yoga company, I started my own. And so looking back, I really um, am grateful that it happened the way it did because it allowed me to have the space and time to envision something that I wanted to express myself as a teacher. And that was the genesis of bare bones yoga. So, you know, again, think for yourself the path that you've been on and has it been a straight line for you? And I'm really talking about the path of your life, but we can just focus on the teaching part if you'd like. Um, think about that. You know, sometimes it's really helpful to step back and see what kind of path have I been on? What kind of zigs and zags have I taken? Where am I really wanting to go? Because, you know, as Stephen Covey says, he's the author of Seven Habits of, of uh, Highly Effective People, begin with the end in mind. And so it's really helpful to just check yourself at least once a year and be like, am I doing things that is getting me to the end game that I want? Um, so the next one, the next theme is sometimes the best action is any action. And I really want to, you know, highlight this for those of you who are listening, who are stuck a lot in fear. When you are stuck in fear a lot, you end up doing nothing because the thought of doing something is terrifying. And I remember I was listening one time to Tony Robbins and he was like, if it doesn't work, try it again. If it doesn't work, try it again. If it doesn't work, then try it again. Or no, he was saying, try something different. If then it doesn't work, try something different. And it was like a repetitive phrase, but he was so right. You know, look, if you get hung up on every time you try something, it's maybe not going to work the chances are you're never going to do anything. So if you're worried about taking on that class or you're worrying about trying that sequence or you're worried about trying those cues or you're worried about signing up for that retreat or training, whatever it is, if you're stuck in fear, 
nothing will get done. So that's why I like to say, you know, sometimes the best action is any action. And, you know, when I had left my corporate career the second time and I had um, started my own brand, Bare Bones Yoga, right very shortly thereafter that I had an opportunity presented to me to teach. Well, it wasn't even really presented to me. I had students coming to me saying they couldn't afford to go to class at studios because they had recently been laid off from their jobs. And this was right in 2008, early 2009, when the recession was really starting to pick up steam. And so people were getting laid off left and right. And I was teaching in my neighborhood at that point at a small local studio in Boston. And I went to a realtor friend of mine and I said, hey, do you know any spaces in Boston where I could maybe just rent space? And he said, oh, you're never gonna believe this. I have a friend who owns a renovated garage in the Fenway area and you could use it on Saturdays if you want. And so I went and took a look at it and it was literally a garage with the garage doors and you know, like a, ga a gas station. And it had the garage doors part of the gas station and the office part of the gas station, but it was completely painted fresh. So the inside was fine, but it was really industrial looking, obviously. And I said, oh, this is great. It kind of reminded me of one of those like old school Janet Jackson videos. <laughs> and so on Saturdays, I, I would go in and I would teach classes for 10 bucks a head. And that essentially was how I came up with the name Bare Bones Yoga because it was bare bones. You had to bring what you needed to use for practice and it was a really bare bones space. And so the reason this relates to this idea of sometimes the best action is any action is looking back, if I hadn't taken that action, I wouldn't have come up with the name bare bones yoga. I wouldn't have then created the brand and I wouldn't have used that to leverage to then continue to build on into the brand I have now. Now, I will tell you, for those of you listening who live in the Boston area or, or who have been to Boston, this location that I started in is now the Tasty Burger restaurant. So if you're ever driving down Boylston Street in the Fenway, which is a completely renovated area now, and you pass the Tasty Burger on uh, Boylston Street, right before that whole row with like Eventide and Sweet che Cheeks restaurant, that's where I had Bare Bones Yoga. It's unreal to think about how it looks now. And then the last uh, theme is this theme of embracing your uniqueness. And I really can't emphasize how important this is because, you know, yoga teachers, there are a lot of us out there. And that's a great thing for the consumer of yoga services because they have a lot of choice. What it means, though, for yoga teachers is it can be really helpful for you to distinguish yourself and not just in a way that you want to stand out just for PR purposes, but in a way that helps you express yourself authentically. And when you do that, you will, number one, love to teach because you won't be pretending to be like anybody else. You will teach more confidently and effectively because you will be 100% in your body and present and connected. And number three, you will be able to build your name as a teacher 
because people will know you for what makes you different rather than just doing the same old thing that everybody else is doing. And so for me, I started out feeling like I wanted to be the teacher for everyone. I wanted everyone to like my classes. I always wanted to get good feedback. I was super obsessed with how many people were in my class and all of that. And so as a result, I didn't want to ruffle any feathers. I wanted to kind of blend in. I wanted to, I was really susceptible to doing what other people were doing if, um, if, I felt like that was something that could potentially help me gain more people in my classes. I was really just kind of going at the whim of whatever was out there triggering me. And so it really was over time that I learned, you know, to just gain the confidence and trust in connecting to how I wanted to present the practice. And this was really through the anatomical lens. I don't go in and teach classes in a way where I'm going into detail about yoga philosophy. I don't use Sanskrit. Um, you know, I, I don't, you know, talk about the chakras. That's not my thing. I can do it. I appreciate it. I acknowledge it's parts, it's part of yoga. Um, it's just not my passion to, to, to go into yoga, um, from, with those lenses on. And so when I really embraced my love of anatomy and figured out a way to express that through my teaching, my teaching really blossomed. And I'm not saying that all of a sudden I had, you know, 50 people in every class. What I am saying is that my teaching became much more effortless because I was teaching in a way that was consistent with what I love and what I felt was things, ways that I would love to express myself, things that I appreciated about the practice, things that resonated with me. And once I found that, I became really just like obsessed with being the best I could be in my area of expertise. And so I went back to school and then I went and got my, my, um, uh, certification and personal training. I got an additional certification and certification and personal training. I took a number of teacher trainings focusing on anatomy with Tiffany Cruikshank. I did a lot of work to build my knowledge base. And along the way, it was more than just getting the knowledge. It was a matter of how to translate it in understandable ways to my students and then really capture that in um, a way that I could teach to other teachers so they could do it too. And that is essentially what I offer teachers, is a way to understand anatomy so that you can share it in an understandable way with your students and grow your impact and confidence as a teacher. That's my encapsulated differentiating statement if I were to meet somebody in an elevator, that's what I would say my mission is. And so I want you to think about what is your mission as a teacher? How could you efficiently and quickly do an elevator pitch that really resonates with you? It's not some other borrowed language. It's something that is your verbiage 
your way, your statement, and write it down and put it on a sticky note and let that be your guide, your true north, your north star as you go through the rest of this year. Have it inform the choices you make about what trainings to go into. You know, that's a huge issue for me. I think a lot of teachers are just kind of blindly signing up for this training and that training and 300 more hours and 500 more hours without even really knowing, is this even going to help me get from point A to point Z? Is this even something that resonates with me in terms of helping me meet my mission and be better at it than anybody else? Or am I just kind of blindly following what everybody else is doing because that's what everybody else says is the right thing to do, right? And, and so I really want you to think about that. I want you to be an informed consumer when it comes to your time and the investments you make in your training. So we've come to the end of our conversation today. Um, I don't want you to forget that March 20th is the last day to sign up for my Costa Rica training and retreat. I would love, love, love to have you come to the retreat and experience something that I know is gonna be life-changing for you. The other thing I'm going to say is if you're listening to this uh, during the week of February 18th, this week only, I am running an offer for uh, an audio meditation on anatomy. And this is a guided body scan where I take you through key muscles of the body. It is a great way to learn anatomy. And it's a really um, low, uh, small investment. It's $19.99. Now, depending on when you listen to this podcast, the offer may not still be available. So the best thing you can do is just send me an email, karen at barebonesyoga.com or go on my Instagram, barebonesyoga, and send me a direct message and just say, hey, is this offer still available? Because I'm only offering it this week, the week of the 18th. Uh, so that's it. So I hope you've enjoyed this. I really, really encourage you to go through these five points and make them personal for you, right? So these things of the basis of your love of yoga, how you found yoga, sometimes the path you take is not leading you in a straight line to where you want to go. Sometimes the best action is any action and then embracing your uniqueness. So thank you so much for listening and I'll see you on the next episode.